kind of coming into our to the tail end. We actually have just two chapters left. Um, media team, because I'm going to do my ending, if you would just go through the objectives, series objectives, if you can get those up, I'd appreciate that. Just want to remind you um, what we're in for and what we wanted to do in this series. First of all, to provide perspective into God's prophetic scriptures, two, to illuminate end-time events in a way that is consistent with all of the texts of Holy Scripture, full of hope, faith, and love. And so we certainly will, we think we've done that. I certainly, my faith has been strengthened as I've gone into the end times because of this, and I pray that yours is too. Three, to acknowledge that God is both full of grace and mercy and also judgment and vengeance. There are warming scriptures, but also warning scriptures. And even today, when Jesus is describing um, in the very last two chapters of the Bible, um, his final words, there even in here is some warnings. There's some things that should warn us when we hear about the New Jerusalem, but there's some things that will warn us as well. Number four, to highlight patterns, principles, and personality profiles that appear repetitively in Scripture, enabling us to look backward and to see forward. We, we showed things like how Elijah prayed and it did not rain on the earth for, the, by, for 42 months, and that that same 42-month period appeared again, that just like Moses and Aaron withstood Pharaoh, that the two witnesses with withstand the Antichrist, that there are those kind of patterns that we see over and over again, all right? Number five, to develop a prophetic viewpoint that informs our view on global events, but is not unduly influenced by them, such that we try to conform biblical prophecy to current events, resulting in speculation, not spiritual expectation. So we spent our time basically trying to live within the word of God, and not trying to, um, sometimes I see, um, quote unquote, Bible prophecy teachers who basically read the news and try to fit everything into, into something that's in the scripture. Now, there are things that are happening where the world is being organized in ways that scripture would, would, would um, identify, but you know, if you're not careful, you'll find the devil under everything, under every nook and cranny, instead of just seeing that the world is being moved in a direction to prepare it for Satan's final shot. All right. Um, number six, to motivate you to be about your father's business through an understanding of God's prophetic time clock. The most exciting part of the game is in the final seconds. And we're going to hear Jesus say today, hold, I come quickly and that you need to be ready. And um, whether or not that quickly happens in your lifetime, because people have been trying to put a date on quickly for a long time, and every date that uh, people have given thus far has failed miserably, so I'm not gonna try to do that. I haven't tried to do that in this entire series, and I'm not gonna start now, in Jesus' name, not necessary. The main thing that he wants us to do is he told us that the gospel of the kingdom must be preached to the end of the uh, to all nations for a witness. That's our job. And so we're going to do the thing that he tells us to do. And then our part of the nations, wherever he's placing on our heart to be a witness um, in our local sphere of environment um, in, and environment. And also, as we think through how we as a kingdom community then spread the gospel throughout the, all the world using every available voice. We use the internet like, like uh, the Apostle Paul and John and, and, and those guys used the Roman roads. The Roman roads was technology. It was infrastructure that allowed them to spread the gospel in the, eight, the, the regions of the Middle East, Asia, and Africa. Right. And so we're using technology like they did in Jesus name. And then finally, finally, number seven, our final um, objective is to give you comfort, confidence and hope that God has a plan for your deliverance from darkness as he ushers in 
a new age. Yeah. And uh, we saw all of the bad things that are, you know, that were listed. And um, and now we're going to talk about the culmination of the new age. That's what the last few chapters are about. So last last week, just just for sake of review, we went through chapter 17, where we talked about the fact that um, that Antichrist rules from mystery Babylon and commits fornication with the great harlot, that the harlot um, system is, a, is comprised of peoples, nations, kingdoms, leaders, and, and those who have sold their souls to Satan. That, that this is a spirit system, and sometimes people try to look at it in a physical country, and you can't look at the enemy system as a physical country any more than you can look at um, the New Jerusalem as a physical country. Now, if you want to go to Jerusalem and go by the Jordan where Jesus was baptized, you know, you do you. I'm not mad at you. I want to go, just for the record. But if I never get there, I'm telling you, my name is written in the New Jerusalem. And because my name is written in the New Jerusalem, if I never get to the Holy Land, I plan on getting to the Holy City. Amen? All right, so we spent some time just walking through um, how there was this system and how there were these 10 kings that will support the beast and, um, and how eventually the system implodes on itself and how the system, and then verse 18, we talked about how, how that system be, um, goes into, um, into a destruction and that heaven declares its death certificate and that heaven rejoices and worships at the destructions of the satanic system, right? These are all just as just review. Then we finally talk about the battle of Armageddon, that the scripture clearly says what happened and that Jesus comes with not just with angels, but with believers. He can't come with believers if believers aren't already there with him. That's really simple, isn't it? Okay. Um, and then he defeats the Antichrist and the false prophet, and they are cast into the lake of fire. And then Satan is cast into a bottomless pit for a thousand years. There's a reign where Christ reigns from, from Jerusalem. During that period, people that have um, not already been caught up in the heaven are raised, those who would not take the mark of the Antichrist, those things, um, those people are raised up during that time. And then Satan is loosed and he tries to surround Jesus, overthrow him one last time and is destroyed and then comes the end where all fallen humanity stand before the great white throne judgment. We don't go before that throne. The white throne judgment is a criminal court. You stand before God in a civil court. You still have judge. You still have a judge in a civil court. Right? Um... And a, a probate court is a civil court. It's a court to decide what inheritance you'll receive. It's still court, still legal, but nobody's going to get incarcerated long unless because we refer those to another court. Okay, so there are other courts besides the ones that have to do with criminal issues. But everybody in front of the white throne, <laughs> their court is criminal. They about to get permanently incarcerated. And then we talked about the fact that according to the way scripture reads, hell then is, is just the jail. It's not the prison. And prison gets worse than jail. So people who are already been tormented Remember Jesus talked about the rich young, the, the, not the, the rich man versus Lazarus. And he said, you know, the rich man said, send somebody back, send Lazarus back. He did. <laughs> I told people, I say, listen, 
However, when you go to hell, your character doesn't get adjusted. He was used to ordering Lazarus around while he was alive, so he didn't even speak to Lazarus when he's dead. He told Abraham, send Lazarus on. Like, he said, send Lazarus to me, and then send Lazarus to my brothers. He never talked to Lazarus. <laughs> I, told, <laughs> I told the saints, I said, there is some white supremacist in hell saying, Jesus, send that nigga over here and have him give me some water. <laughs> because your character don't change. I'm just saying, okay. All right, all right. Praise the Lord. So then everybody that, everyone that uh, is in front of that white throne, including death, the death angel in hell itself, are then cast into the lake of fire which is the second death. And then what we ended with is that the lake of fire is what hell itself is scared of. This is the second death. If you are born once, you will die twice. But if you are born twice, you can only die at most once. We say at most because the scripture clearly tells us that there will be those in that last generation after the church has spread the kingdom, witness to the ends of the world, and has defeated all the enemies, including death itself, that there is a generation of the church who are alive and remain who will be caught up alive, like Enoch was. All right? And so our statement is, if you are born twice, if you are born once, you will die twice. If you're born twice, born plus born again, you will only die once. Now let's Get to Revelation 21, Revelation chapter 21. Hallelujah. And it says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no more sea. So the first heaven where they are is not the final resting place. Got it? Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. That statement, God said that in the Old Testament, I will be, I will be their God and they will be my people. That's an important statement. I would encourage you just to do a study on that statement and find it every place it's, it's written. Verse four, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. He that said, sat on a throne, presumably either God the Father and God the Son, or God the Son, said, write, for these things are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I say this is God the Son because of this next statement. I am Alpha and Omega. He used those same words in the beginning, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. All right. Just like Jesus said at the beginning, there's there's something that's for those who overcome. He who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. OK, that's the warming part. Now, here's the warning part. Yep, I'm at the end, but there's still a warning. But the cowardly, unbelieving. Hold it. Hold it. Before I go any further, I'm going to just stop here for one second. Think about all of the things he described about the fact that the seven churches were going through persecution when John wrote the letter. And he talked about people who would be persecuted to take the mark of the beast later. That people would be persuaded to, 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 to bow down to a false system. And what he's telling us here is, don't punk out. You got to be okay that 
you know, well, what if somebody said, I'm going to kill you if you don't deny Jesus and bow down to, you know, we declare Sharia law in this area. Or atheism takes over. He's telling you, you can't be cowardly and unbelieving and think that's going to be okay. That is not okay. I don't know if I want to die for the faith. Jesus did. Am I right? We all celebrate the fact that Jesus died for the faith. He died to get it in. So he's telling you, I wasn't weak to stand up for you. Don't you be weak in standing up for me. Okay? The cowardly. Let's look at it. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, that means doing stuff that God permanently hates. All right? Homosexuality would be one of those. That's considered an abomination. Murderers, sexually immoral, that's all kinds of sexual sin. All right? Sorcerers, all kinds of witchcraft. Idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Verse 9, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit, in the spirit, in the spirit, all right? So it's not a physical city, some other place, because it doesn't come down until there's a new heaven and the new earth. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God having the glory of God. Her light was like a precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a, high, a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. Angels were the gatekeepers. And the names and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Well, what about Judas? I don't know. Ask him when you get there. Verse 15, and he who talked with me, maybe he replaced him with Paul, but that's all conjecture. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth, and it and he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. So it has a bunch of skyscrapers, clearly. Then he measured the wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. Therefore, an angel must be the size of a man. And it's saying the measure of a man's hand, I think, is what it's saying. Verse 18, the construction of its walls was of jasper, and the city was pure, Gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation with jasper, the second sapphire, the third Chalced chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth barrel, the ninth topaz, the tenth cryos. <laughs> I'm sorry, Christ. I'm not going to try to that. You saw that. The 11th, Jason, and the 12th, Amethyst. I'm usually good at this stuff. I'm sorry. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each gate was of one pearl. And the city, the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of, the, of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it its gates shall not be shut at all by day there shall be no night there and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it but there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes abomination or a lie but only those who are written in the lamb's book of life all right Eight keys from Revelation 21. All right. Number one, 
after the final day of judgment, God ushers in a new heaven and a new earth. Two, further, the ultimate disposition of humanity is what God's original intention was, that God inhabits the new earth with humanity. Note the phrase, they shall be his people and he shall be their God. That, that goes back to the future in the sense of... God's original intention for mankind from the days of Adam was that God would commune with man in the earth. Right? What would have happened if man had never sinned? What God's going to have happen in the end because the purposes of God will prevail. So God's getting back his original plan. All right? He's going to dwell with humanity. He's not going to stay in heaven and leave us down here. But this humanity puts us back in our physical bodies. What, what did they say when Adam sinned? What would happen if Adam, in a sinful state, ate of the tree of life and lived forever, perpetually fallen? So they blocked him from that. Now, Adam is now restored by the last Adam to his pre-fall state. And now God communes with him as was his original intention. Amen. Number three, Jesus final admonition to the church is that we must overcome all things resulting in us being sons and he being our God. All right. All things must be overcome. So. All the difficulties of whatever age we live in. Resisting the spirit of mystery Babylon, the spirit or the person of the Antichrist. Witnessing for him, even to the death and not compromising with false gods. We must overcome. That is required in every age and it is required in our age. Amen. Number four. Jesus warns us to not be driven by fear to deny him or be driven by pleasure and sin to deny his standards or we endanger ourselves to the lake of fire. All right. So he gave us a warning. He was shooting his final shot and he says, listen, I'm giving you this warning. Please, please. Even though you're in difficult situations and when John wrote that, John was writing from a difficult place because he was on a prison island, remember? And he was writing to people in a difficult place. And he said, don't let the difficulty get you in trouble. And every once in a while, um, <laughs> I can remember as a child, no instances coming up, but if I had had a difficult day and then I come off and I'm kind of snappy, parents be like, hold up, bro, hold up. Don't let your difficulty get you in some more difficulty. And that's what Jesus was saying. Don't let the fact that you're going through difficult things get you to get your eye off the prize and get you in trouble with me. All right. Number five. As John was carried into the spirit realm to see mystery Babylon. So John is carried into the spirit to see the new Jerusalem. OK, so it's a spirit city now. But one day that spirit city will become physical. And people will see it. Right. Number six, because God is there, God gets back to his original intention that all humanity are kings and priests before him and no need for a special temple is required. Let me talk about this one for a second. Remember when God brought out the children of Israel. He wanted to dwell with the people, but they heard God and then they said, it is so I mean, God, you're talking so loud. We so scared. We don't we don't we don't want you. You know, Moses, you talk to God for us. God didn't want just the tribe of Levi to be the priest. He wanted everybody to be a priest before him. You understand? So it was always God's intention that the that his people would be a kingdom of priests. Even in the Old Testament, that was the wording that was used. So it's clear that God's going to get back what he what he originally intended. All right. That's God's intention for mankind. So because he gets that back and they're 
everything is holy, so there is no need for this special most holy place because all of it's holy because God's in all of it. All right, that's number six. Number seven, the glory of God is the light of the new Jerusalem, so there's no night. And eight, inhabitants of the new of the new earth live out their station throughout all eternity. Let me talk about that one. Um, they live out their station. Okay, so what happens to people who called on the name of the Lord before the Abrahamic covenant? Enoch didn't have the covenant that Abraham did. Job didn't have covenant that they did. All right, then they got to live out. That's why in Hebrews, when it talks about them, it says that they are the spirit of just men made perfect. They were before the church age. So what do we say? God deals with humanity in different ways at different times. We call that the D word. What's the D word that we use? Dispensations. So people who, who got saved under that had a whole set of rules that was just for them. And then those that got saved during the Abrahamic covenant had another set of rules. And even if you were non-Jewish, you could be brought in like Ruth was. Who was in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Like, like Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. So there was ways that people on the outside could be brought in and people were. Right? Then Jesus was the bridging period, and he told the people, okay, y'all think y'all got it just because you got Abraham as your father. The axe is at the root. God is able to take these stones and raise up seed to Abraham. And then he said, some of y'all who are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's kids are going to be on the outside, and some of the people on the outside are going to be brought in. The last shall be first, and the first be last. So then after his death, resurrection, ascension, the sending of the Holy Spirit, then the church age begins. And now we are in the church age. And initially they thought the church age was just all Jewish. But then Paul was sent to get Gentiles in. And he said this mystery was hidden from prophets of old. Daniel didn't understand that one day that God would come and deal with non-Jewish people. They, had the, they all had the law of Moses that said that through you, all the families of the earth would be blessed, but they didn't know what it meant. All right. So then they did that until the catching of the way of the church. But then there's other people who got beheaded during the tribulation period. They will have their own station. Right. The people who didn't take the mark. Okay, so all of these people will have different ways of living. And then there will be there will be folks that su survive the tribulation period and then come to acknowledge Jesus during the millennial reign. And then there will be people that will be born during the millennial reign. And, and the book of Isaiah talks about the fact that people will get close to a thousand years old again. The book of Isaiah says that they're talking about the millennial reign. Okay. Um, then it says the lion will lie down with the lamb and we're going to study war no more. All right. So whatever age you're in, you'll live out at that station. Now, the way that you advance is by what you do right now. I'm making my, <laughs> I'm choosing how well I will live then by how well I live now. That's why I get up every, not every morning, um, but every, you know, every few days I hear this song from the wine and saying, if I labor, God's going to give me a crown. For we shall never know all of the people, you know, that'll be saved. But God's keeping record. And in the end, I'm going to receive a reward. I'm shooting my shot to get my reward because I'm deciding now how I'm going to live later. Somebody say amen if you got that. Okay, so that's an important point. Now let's go on to the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, chapter 22. 
And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on each side of the river was the tree of life. So right in the middle of the street of the boulevard was the river. And then trees on each side was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the trees were for the healings of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, these, are, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the word, the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, see that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Now, when, when the time stops, wherever you are is where you are. So this is what he says. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. Uh-oh, so there is degrees of sin. There's some people that are just unsaved, and there's some people that's really wicked. Let him be, let he who is righteous, let him be righteous still. There are some people that are forgiven and are therefore right with God. He who is holy, uh-oh, there's people who then actively go in the right direction. He who is holy, let him be holy still. Verse 12. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. All right? Some people say, man, Pastor, you all works driven, but we say by grace. Well, he'll end his thing with grace to you, but clearly he's going to reward you with some work. So you should do some. I'm just saying. All right. Verse 13, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. So whatever's on the outside of the city, you want to get outside of you. And we agree on that. Whatever he says, he's not letting into the city. You should make sure you're not letting it into you. Okay. All right. Now, some people say, well, they don't take it. All right. Okay. I'm just saying these, these, Jesus is clearly speaking his final words. So this is clearly important to him. All right. Verse 16 says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel. They're all his angels, but he's talking about the personal angel that serves him like Lucifer used to. To testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root, that means David came from me, and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come. That's us speaking. And he, and let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. Oh, Lord, help. 
And if anyone takes away from the words of the prophet, the book of, the, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Lord, help again. Verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Yeah, I'm going to need grace for this. All right? God, I need grace so that I can live out my, live out the day that I live in and make sure that I do everything that this book is requiring for me in my day and age. Amen? He put certain stipulations on this book because he knew that if he didn't, people would be tempted to change the words and customize them and not make them sound so tough. So he made sure that we didn't lose track of what these words had to say, all right? All right, eight keys from Revelation 22. Number one, John sees the river of life flowing through the city from the throne of God and the Lamb and, tre and trees of life on its banks. Two, the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. An interesting thing about this tree, just so that we capture the significance of it, one tree, 12 different types of fruit, one for each month of the year. Now, that's different from what Adam had in the beginning. Every seed bearing fruit after its kind, but it wasn't one tree having 12 different types of fruit. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We get variety in the end. Number <laughs> Number three, John is clear that in this age, the curse, loss, and calamity are gone. Further, we all serve God as kings, priests, and sons. Number four, Jesus admonishes us of his soon, and I put the soon in quotes, return, and that we should keep the prophetic words until his arrival. More on this later. That's what they wise assume. I'm going to tell you. Number five, John is clear that there are both degrees of wickedness and degrees of righteousness, each receiving reward or punishment according to their degree. Now, Pastor David has something here. It's not in this passage of Scripture per se, but listen to me. Let me explain something to, to people like you that go to churches like this, okay? Because you can do less bad stuff than an ignorant person, and it counts more for you because you know more than the ignorant person. Jesus said it this way, those that knew my will and didn't do it will be beaten with many stripes. Those that didn't know my will will be beaten with fewer stripes. Everybody, everybody in hell still getting punished. But I know too much to backslide. They would be like, we got him now. I know too much. You know too much, too. Scripture says everybody shouldn't try to jump up to the seat that I'm standing in because the person who stands in this seat gets heavier judgment. I know too much to backslide. I didn't say I couldn't. I'm just saying hell would be worse for me than you because I'm teaching you. That's the gig. That's, I understand that when I signed up for it. It's so heavy that if I didn't know I had a calling and I couldn't repent out of it, I would have went the opposite direction. Okay, I'm just saying. But what I, I just want you to know that you might Like, um, I remember there was times when my, my friends would come over and uh, Apostle would just, if you got in trouble, like everybody was getting a whooping. You know, she was, she was kind of like a community babysitter for the church. And so it wasn't, she, she didn't just whoop us, she whooped them, but she whooped her kids more. Because y'all knew the rules. And that's what I'm telling you is that your degree of your degree of wickedness even for can somehow be weighted towards what you know about God. You knew better and didn't do it. 
Okay? All right. Number six, we are warned to neither add or take away from the words contained in this prophetic book. Either will produce calamity for the doer, the person who adds or takes away. Number seven, remember that we are saved by grace, but are rewarded according to our works. Live out your faith. Act on what you believe. You believe that this is true? Then your actions should really show it. You believe that there is, before the Antichrist comes, a spirit of Antichrist, then when you see that spirit run, do not walk in the opposite direction. I keep asking myself, when I think about the Charleston Nine, remember the Charleston Nine, South Carolina? Guy came in to a midweek Bible study. All, all records and intentions say that the church welcomed him into their midst. And after the service was over, he started shooting. and did not stop until everyone was dead. I keep asking myself, David, if that happened, are you prepared to not deny Jesus under threat of death? I keep asking myself that. I, I, <laughs> everybody can say anything when, before the bullets start flying. You understand what I mean? I remember <laughs> when I was, uh, we were going down, um, when our sister minister Sarah was at Anderson University and we were driving down to Anderson. They were having some kind of event. We were driving down there and we had got in the car. And uh, on our way down there, near Marshall, Michigan, we had an accident. And we saw the accident coming. And I'm sitting on the passenger seat, an apostle sitting in the driver's seat because she's driving. And when we're coming up to hit it, I, I laid my head in the seat because I figured in that instant that if I didn't see it, it wouldn't happen. Now, when I thought about it, when I came back to my right mind, I was like, how dumb is that? Number one. Number two, <laughs> I'm an engineer. I understand how we design cars. We design the cars to crumple in the middle. Putting your head down could have gotten me really hurt. But in the instant, it seemed the most logical thing to do in the moment. That's why I'm saying, I don't know, y'all. I'm, I'm trying to get this word so deep in me. See, that's, I'm trying to get this word so deep in me that even under pressure, the word will come out and remind me, John didn't, back, John didn't backslide, Paul didn't back down, Peter stood up, then David, you're going to have to stand up. James didn't do it, Stephen didn't do it, all of them stood up. I want something inside of me to say, no, David, you're ready to go into heaven and get the martyr's crown, which is a special crown. Just like... If you were in the army and then you died in combat, there's a special thing you get. Your family gets a, a you get special accommodation for dying in battle. There's a they, the scripture says in Hebrews 11, these died not accepting deliverance so that they could get a better resurrection. How you die determines how you get up. I just, I just want to make sure I hit my shot. You know what I mean? I don't know. We don't know what, what, what life holds for us. But we want to read this stuff so clear that just like Stephen, we can look and see Jesus standing up, welcoming, welcoming us in. I want to be that close to God. That if I ever have to receive, have to have him receive me in, that I'm, I am so focused on him that nothing moves me like it didn't move Paul. Does that make sense? Finally, finally, number eight. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The spirit and the bride 
say, come. Lord, this is your plan. Come. All right. So a couple more scriptures and then we're done. So we talked about the New Jerusalem, what's in and what's out today. That's what 21 and 22. God is telling you what's the final play. Let's, let's, let's look at a very important scripture. I'm just going to give you John 3 and 3. Um, if it's possible, after the New King James, I would like to have that in Amplified, if you can make that happen. Uh, Amplified Classic, yes. All right. John 3 and 3 says, Most assuredly, Jesus answered and said to him, this is Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, if you'll get that, um, just that verse 3, just verse 3. That's all I want. We'll, we'll skip the rest of it. Um, now, look at that, that verse in the Amplified Classic. Jesus answered him, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you that unless a person is born from above, born again, born anew, born from above, he cannot ever see, know, be acquainted with, and experience the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the place where the person of Jesus and the principles of Jesus meet. Okay? And so a person cannot see and enter the kingdom of God and walk into the things of God except they be born from the new Jerusalem. All right? That's what it means. We often talk about just being born again, but the, the actual Greek word literally says you are born from above. Somebody say amen. All right, Galatians 4, 22 through 28. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman, talking about Hagar and Sarah. But he who was born of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, talking about Ishmael. And he of the free woman through promise. God promised that a year from now you're going to have this son. Which things are symbolic, for these are two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai is the law of Moses, isn't it? Because Moses got the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. The covenant from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. Now, let me stop here for a second. Um, if you look at it, God in this passage of Scripture says, in, in, in Abraham's time, Hagar is Ishmaelites, the Arabians, Arabians, and the Muslims. Then Abraham, Isaac, Jacob is Israel, and they're the ones with covenant. God promised to bless Hagar and Ishmael. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. I'm going to make Ishmael a great nation, but my promise and my covenant is with Isaac. Then God's saying, hold up, now in the time in which we live, the place of Hagar is Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. And the place of Sarah and Isaac is the church. So he moved, he moved them back and moved us to the front. Our covenant is better than theirs. Got it? So let's, let's finish that. Um... Verse 25, right? For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. That Jerusalem that now is the one over there in the Middle East. God considers people even under the Jewish covenant. He calls that bondage. That's why they were trying to go back and get people circumcised to go back under law. And he was like, listen, that's old school. That, that's old school and old bondage. Don't go back to that. So I know I've, I've been in, I went to a Jewish service and there was a person who had been a Christian who decided to convert to Judaism. Don't do that. That's very clear, isn't it? That's bondage with her children. Now look at verse 26. This is what I wanted to get to, but 
the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all who are born from above. Jerusalem is our mother. This is the city we were born from. When you were born anew, born from above, you were, your name is written in heaven, in the new Jerusalem. There is a citizenship role, and my name is on it, and it's written in the blood of Jesus. Verse 27, for it is written, rejoice, O barren, who do not, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. We are the children born from that city. We are the children of the new Jerusalem. All right? Pastor, why are you telling me this? Because it's important for you to know that your citizenship is in heaven. All right? If I never, if I never get to the Jerusalem that's in the Middle East, praise the Lord. All right, one final scripture and we're closing out the series with this scripture. <sighs> Has this series been a blessing to you? Amen, amen. Second Peter chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 18. This is Peter shooting his final shot before he was uh, crucified with his wife. Both of them were crucified for the faith. They died upside down because they didn't want to be crucified like the Lord Jesus. And they encouraged each other not to, not to back down on their faith in Jesus' name. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir you up. I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? He done told y'all he coming soon. Where he at? People going to make fun of it. Make fun of us. Now what that says? Then, um, for since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Said so ain't nothing happened. You know, because they, they will believe in evolution. So since the first early man, everything has been the way it has been. But then Peter takes us back to the future. Look at it. For this, they willfully forget. One scripture, King James says they're willingly ignorant. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. He says that somehow people have forgotten that there was already a global cataclysmic event. I would encourage you, if you have time to go to that ARC exhibit in Ohio, that you should go. Kentucky, Kentucky, it's, in, it's right near Cincinnati. You should go to the ark exhibit. There's a, there's a full-size rendering of the ark, the size of Noah's ark, by the best we can determine by, by human dimensions. You should go see the creation museum and the ark things that's down there. Because the Bible says we should remember this because people, some people willfully forget we should willfully remember. Just an encouragement. This is an unpaid endorsement, but I, I, I love that, and I would encourage you to go back and see yourself. All right? So he says that that world was created by the word of God, not by evolution, not by, you know, first there was nothing and then it exploded and there was a big bang. He said the word of God created things and then there was things that were in the water and under the water and then water flooded the whole thing. Now we are at verse seven. But the heavens and the earth 
which are now preserved by the same word, because God promised he wouldn't destroy it again, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition or destruction of ungodly men. Or as the song say, no more water, but fire next time. Okay, verse 8. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. Now, some people try to put that and they try to lay down like, okay, he just had a week and they try to put times where that's not what he was saying. He's like, God is timeless. So soon, if a day is like a thousand years, Jesus only been gone two days. <laughs> From heaven's perspective. Okay. But look at verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All right? Sometimes my parents used to tell me, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. You cruising for a bruising. You got a whooping coming. And it seemed like I was getting away while my whooping was accumulating. But one time, Brother Frank, it always invariably caught me when I wasn't prepared that the time of talking about whoopings was over and the time to get the whooping was at hand. God is long suffering, not because he's slack, not because he forgot, but he's given humanity time to get their act together and given us time to get our work done to witness to humanity. All right. Look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Pastor David, do you believe in global warming? Yes, I believe that there's a big balloon note at the end. <laughs> Verse 11, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, since they will be dissolved, since they will be, some people say it's not going to be. There are people, some people say, well, it won't happen exactly the way Pastor David taught it. It'll happen slightly different. But all of us who say that at least believe that somewhere in the end there is a last day. There are people teaching that there is no last day with a Bible. But your Bible just read, you just read it, didn't you? All of these things are going to be burned up. All of these things are going to be dissolved. I, I don't know how else, to, how else to come up with something different than that. Right? Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening waiting expectantly the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, according to his promise, God who cannot lie promised us, we look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We're looking for it because God promised it. God hadn't lied on any other promise. He's not lying on this one. It's coming because he promised it was. Verse 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent. Do something now in advance of what's coming. Be diligent. Work at it to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is him giving us time to get it right. That's what he means when he says the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. God is giving me time to get my act together. He know I ain't quite ready yet. He know you not either. And he giving me time to get my work done, to get my act together, to be found in him in peace. Go on to verse 15, part B. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, 
speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction. So if you come up with some gospel that says that the earth is not going to end and there's not a new heaven and new earth, then you are untrained and unlearned. That's what he just called you. I didn't call you. Peter called you that. Talk to Pete if you don't like what I'm saying, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, since you know this beforehand, since you know people are going to come with a different teaching in the way we teach it, that the end is going to be and that there's a new heaven and new earth, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the air of the wicked. Make sure you read these things and you stay steady. Make sure you stay steady. I was reading, there's a number of uh, very prominent Christian musicians, not necessarily African-American, and, and popular ministers that are, I was Christian, but I'm not no more. I'm saying to myself, how do you do that? Now, I don't know what life has to hold for me, but listen, if Pastor David ever nut up, don't follow him. You only got one soul. I follow people as long as they in line with the book. When they go, when they go left, I'm going right. All right? We're a church. We're not a cult. <laughs> I'm not drinking Kool-Aid for nobody, okay? I'm not, you, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not asking you to do that for me. That's why Pastor David gives you all these scriptures so that you can go back and study them yourself. You should have some sense that this is truth that I'm following, all right? Don't let anybody get you to fall away from being steadfast and led away with air of people that are wicked. Look at verse 18. This is, this is what God is expecting us to do. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. What a, what a series of scriptures that we've gone through. I know there's still maybe things that are, are not clear and, and so on, but just the fact that according to the first chapter of the book, you are empowered to prosper because you've read it and heard it. And the pieces that you know how to do, if you act on the pieces that he's showing you, your life is already strengthened in steadfastness. So I'm challenging you, I'm challenging you to make sure that you keep those things certain in your life. For those of you that are watching with us online, we've been at this series. It may, I think when we started the series, it probably was September of a year ago when we started the series. So clearly we've, we've gone at this for about a year. About half of that year was just doing preparation before we would even start in the book, but the culmination of everything that we've studied is simply the insight and the revelation that you and I need our names written above. We are in a debate in our nation about who can immigrate here. what becomes the basis of citizenship 
in this great nation. The Statue of Liberty, is it liberty and justice for all or is it just a few? Well, while those things are debated about this nation, I will tell you that the holy nation is without debate. The city that is above, the, the apostle Peter said he perceived that God is a, has no respect of persons, but of every earthly nation, those that fear him and work righteousness are accepted by him. I don't know about you, but when I look at the things that are coming, the difficulties that are coming on the planet, even as I consider the reality that many of the things that the, the apostles, Daniel, Zechariah, Ezekiel, Jesus, Paul, Peter, Jude, John, that they said about the times of the return of Jesus, that many of those signs are upon us. Pastor David, are you giving a date? Nope. He said quickly 2,000 years ago, so I'm going to just take his word on that. He told me to be steadfast and to be ready. I'm encouraging you to be in the same way. If you are uncertain, I would be remiss if I didn't challenge you to pray a prayer very simple so that you can get your name written above. It is simple. It's belief that Jesus came, that for every sin that you have, that he died and suffered the penalty for him, taking the capital punishment of his kingdom but being raised from the dead to be the king. You can't be penalized for sin if you accept Jesus because he's already paid the punishment for it. And that would be, even in heaven's system, that would be double jeopardy. The only way you can be penalized for it is if you don't accept his provision from it. So I'm encouraging you to do so. If you haven't done it, just pray this prayer with me. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I believe God raised you from the dead just for me. Thank you for receiving me into your royal family. Heavenly Father, because I've accepted Jesus, I know my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life in the official records of the new Jerusalem in heaven itself. The angels are rejoicing over me now. All heaven rejoices at my newfound citizenship. The cross of Jesus Christ is my statue of liberty.